All right, welcome back to the Two Guys No Cups podcast. Uh, my name is Stephen Ground, and my co-host has asked me to leave out his last name, so I'll just tell you that you can find him on Twitter at, at Ian A. Peters. <laughs> you can find me at Stephen Ground with a PH, and you can find us at Two Guys No Cups, spelled out with all letters. Uh, how are you doing today, Ian? Space. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've given it away, so that's fine. I'm doing good. I've never seen Welcome Back, Connor. I only know that song. <laughs> and John Travolta was I'm, in the show. That's I'm, it. I'm pretty sure that's everyone from our generation's story. I guess. That's true. But uh, hopefully they will not find this clip and sue us. If they do, we can just beg them to let us delete the episode. <laughs> John Travolta has Scientology money. It's fine. That's true. But he's got to use it for Zorp. Or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, we have a fun show planned today, a loaded show planned today. Uh, we're going to get into the big news with the St. Louis Blues, which is Colton Pareko's contract. Uh, we are going to talk about other extensions around the league for some major young players. And then we're going to start a series where we break down the conferences one by one or the divisions one by one and talk about what we expect for them for the upcoming season. And then the the bulk of our show will be spent talking about uh, Blues Prospects, which is something we intended to do uh, last episode, but we have big mouths and didn't, <laughs> didn't shut up fast talk enough. Too much. So we put it off to this. So hopefully we will not do that again. And then we will have a five-minute major to close out the show. Uh, which we will discuss when we get there. So the big news, as far as the Blues world is concerned, uh, coming out about probably about a week ago now. I yeah, think I think almost. Weekend, yeah. Um, Colton Pareko, the Blues defenseman who is 23 years old. 23, 24, yeah. Uh, somewhere in there. Signed a contract extension for five years uh, worth $27.5 million. Uh, which is an annual average value of $5.5 million. So that'll be his cap hit going forward. Uh, as you know, listener, probably know, uh, Pareko was an RFA this season, so uh, there was the risk of him being offer sheeted, although that doesn't seem to be done anymore. That's a, that's a rarity. I wish it would kind of come back and make it a little more interesting. Yeah, but it I don't would. It would put a lot more pressure on RFAs. It kind of, this kind of takes away some of their negotiation power. Yeah. Uh, Pareko is 24, by the way. Um, but this buys out two of his UFA years. And uh, what do you think about the signing overall? This was a signing that I, this is kind of what I thought he was going to sign for, so it wasn't really much of a shocker. Yeah, I think the five years might be more. I don't know. It's not a shock, but the five years I was a little lower than I expected. I thought with Armstrong saying a lot about how he wanted to lock him up and he want he wanted to go like max term, which is eight, which I was going to be hard. That was a little bit of bluster, I think, just saying that's how much he he valued him. He wanted to go eight yeah. years with them, but I don't think that was going to happen. But I guess I expect maybe six but six is also if i was doing the math right he would come off the books if it was six years the same year that tarasenko would yeah and that's just 
if Pareko's on the projection that he is, that's just two big names, mm-hmm. and that's that's a lot of pressure for one off season. So five five makes sense. It's two years of his UFA. I think if they went any further than that, it just costs that much more because you're buying more UFA right. years, which are more valuable to him right. and, and his party. So over, overall, I like it a lot, and I don't think it's out of the realm of what he's worth than what other people, other players of his caliber, um, both age-wise and position, uh, are getting paid around this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when we were we were talking a few days before the contract about maybe what our ideal was, and we we talked about six years for thirty million was kind of yeah. like a, a dream, but I don't think either of us necessarily thought that was a possibility. Five million a year would have yeah. been nice, but um, it just wasn't going to happen. But 5.5 for five years is fine uh, for Pareko. And you, you mentioned it's it's comparable to some of the other guys in the leagues. Uh, we're going to talk about Jacob Slavin in a minute, Dmitry Orlov of the Capitals, uh, Seth Jones, Dougie Hamilton, Tory Krug, those guys. Pretty comparable. And, you, I mean, for, for on the one hand, Pareko isn't our first-pairing defenseman and nope. isn't about to be our first-pairing defenseman. But on the other hand, um, this is what you pay second-pairing guys. This is what you pay really good defensemen. And he's young. And I'm excited because, you know, Pareko was a fourth-round pick. Mm-hmm. And this this is how you build a great franchise is you really you occasionally hit a home run with a fourth round pick, and you know Henrik Zetterberg was no, uh, notoriously a fourth round pick and some other guys. That's how you're great. You're great when you can find guys in the late rounds. Yeah, when you get a diamond in the rough, you know. And we did that partially because uh, Pareko was playing up in the middle of nowhere and nobody could see him, but. I think this is good for the team going forward. One point that Armstrong made, uh, I heard in an interview that I thought was really valuable, and you kind of alluded to it with Tarasenko, uh, but the problem, I'm not going to get the years exactly right on this, but they needed to go a little longer term with Pareko because if he had signed a two-year deal, I think that's the year Bomeister comes off the books. Okay. And it was that's probably right, it's yeah. one year shy of when Petrangelo comes off the books. I think Petrangelo's got three years left. Bomeister has two. Because we just talked about Shattenkirk last time. Um, so this way, you know, it's not none of those guys are the same year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually something that Doug Armstrong's been really good at. I mean, last year with the Troy Brower thing, it was a little different because we were, but he was just traded to the team, so that wasn't a contract Armstrong signed, you know. True, and that's not even one you have to keep. Right. No, way. but him, him and back. I mean, that's kind of almost proves my point because mm-hmm. that's the biggest. Like him and back is coming off the same year is the biggest loss we've ever had. I'd say so. And even I mean, if we kept one of them, it would have been different, but it would have still been the biggest. Like group that we've ever had True. coming off at the same time. So Armstrong's really good at staggering when these guys come off the books mm-hmm. so that you're not, you know, Stastny is next year, Bomeister's two years, Petro's three years, Schwartz is probably four years, I don't know off the top. Then it's Pareko, then you know, it's Tarasenko. That's, so that's so many big names to think about. That signed it you. is, but yeah. it's all, like, you can do it all one at a time. Mm. You know, Fabry will be next summer if we don't get anything done sooner. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't you're not going to see with Doug Armstrong a year like the Capitals are having where they lose Justin Williams and TJ Oshie and uh, the defenseman whose name I can't remember at the moment, not Kunitz, because that's... Oh, Alsner. Yeah, Alsner and uh, other big names that they had. Now, they kept some of those guys, but they had four or five huge UFAs this year, and their team's just not going to be the same next year. You're not going to see that with the Blues, even as big as the loss was last year. The core was still intact. You know, you don't have to reshape the whole team. So I think that's a good angle of this contract. Yeah. And I think... I think it works from a replacement standpoint, too. If you have to lose one of them, you're only losing one for that year. And yeah. you can ease, quote-unquote, easily go out in the market and find that one person to fill that one spot rather than, like you said, lose like four or five. And like, we need right. four or five other players to fill right. this gaping hole. And I think... Um, yeah, I mean, you'd love to hit a, a, a grand slam and, and steal a guy, but you're not going to do that because he knows what he's worth and you know what he's worth. We didn't overpay. We didn't overreach on the years. I, frankly, wouldn't have been comfortable with eight years just because That's as, too much. as great as he's been, he's only been impactful in the league for two years. Exactly. And I just don't know. Like, And, and that is kind of the other side of the coin when you're a fourth-round pick. Like, when Tarasenko comes up and dominates for two or three years, you can say, oh, this guy's a superstar, because we knew he was a superstar when we drafted That's him. That's his projection, yeah. exactly. And I'm not saying Pareko's not at all, but I just think five years is really comfortable where if in some weird world he doesn't deliver, you know, you're not, like, saddled with him forever sort of a thing, mm-hmm. you know. I don't expect that to happen. I'm sure he'll be making more money five years from now than he is now but i just think it's it's right where you want it to be it's fine for both sides and that's really there all there is to say about it just seems it seems as fair as fair can be yeah unless you have anything to add to that we'll move on to a couple of the other extensions that have been signed in uh, the nhl since we last recorded uh, Jacob Slavin of the Hurricanes. I'm sorry if I butchered that name, but he uh, signed a seven-year deal for $37.1 million, which is a cap hit of $5.3 million. Um, this was kind of a deal. It just kind of proves to me how ignorant I am about a couple of teams. <laughs> I just I, don't know that much about the Hurricane. Like, I've heard his name, but yeah. I didn't know he's even a defenseman. Right. I just, I mean, I knew I knew of Jacob Slavin, the same as you, but I, I did not know he was nearly this kind of player. But, I, I mean, I'm sure it's fine. I, again, offices aren't going to go out there and make ridiculously stupid contracts. I want to say he had 30. Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> I want to say he had 30-something points, 30-plus points last year. Yeah. So for a guy that I think it was his first full year, maybe his second, depending on how long he was in the AHL or something, I think it's pretty good. It sounds like from what I read, from what fans saw of him, that they think it's it's worth what yeah. it's worth what he brings to the team. So. And they've got Noah Hannafin coming down there, right, and some other guys on defense so they could be pretty loaded they still have justin falk right yeah they do so this is so it looks similar like where they're probably paying him like pareko to be a second line scoring type of defenseman would be my guess again i really don't know the player super well but seems like a fine contract andre palat uh, and Tyler Johnson, two of the triplets in Tampa Bay, both. Is extended. Kucherov the other triplet? Uh, no, I think it's um, 
somebody else. I don't think it's Kucherov, but maybe it is. I, have to I believe you. I just can never remember. Yeah. Uh, I know these two are two of the triplets. Maybe they're only twins now. Um, <laughs> but Talat signed uh, for five years, $26.5 million, which, like Slavin, is a, a $5.3 million AAV. Johnson signed seven years for $35 million, which is a $5 million AAV. Uh, I think the Johnson signing really jumps out at me, as that is a low dollar amount for a young center. Five million I'd for seven it. years is great. I think the the only reason he's that low is he struggled with a lot of injuries. So you want to see like if he'd been healthy for several seasons, there's no way he's signing this contract. I don't know where he was drafted either. Yeah, he doesn't jump out as a name to me that got drafted overly high. But then again, Johnson as a name period <laughs> doesn't really jump out at me either. Where so was Eric Johnson? Yeah, <laughs> that's the only Just reason kidding, you remember. We know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I will look that up. But I mean that that seems like a great signing for the uh, Lightning, and the Palat signing seems fine. Oh yeah, Johnson's making. He's, oh, Tyler Johnson was undrafted. Oh, there you go. So Tyler Johnson's making six point five on the open market. Yeah. If, if he's just if he's a UFA, oh, yeah, even if he's a UFA, he's probably. making six five like kind minimum. Of what we saw with. Uh, Stasny. I think that says a lot to the, about the Lightning that he can see or the, they can all see within the organization that there's something special down there. We'll get to them later on, but that's a team that, for whatever reason, didn't make the playoffs last year. That This year, I don't see any reason for them not to. Oh, and no. their, whole, well, their whole team probably sees it that way. Yeah, I mean, Steven Stamkos was decimated last year. That's the only thing keeping them out of the playoffs. I think that's a situation where... Of players that have become GM, Steve Eiserman is probably one of the best. Yeah, um, I'd say yeah, the best. Currently. John Cooper is maybe the most underrated coach in hockey to me. So that's. I just think he coached good, the Bandits out in Chesterfield. I swear he did. I think he did. Yeah, but which is nuts. that's just a good. That's just a good group of leadership. They kept Stamkos. Now they've got these guys. They've got Kucherov. They I think could, this is why I don't like the Lightning. I'm like super. <laughs> I'm just kind of jealous. I look yeah. at them and I kind of like the colors and the jersey. And I'm just like, you know, why couldn't you be my team? <laughs> well, we need to move. I, guess, uh, I fear Florida. Florida is nice. I guess. Yeah, and you only hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple other signings: Thomas Tatar continuing the the five point three million dollar AAV theme uh, made. A four-year, twenty-one million-dollar extension with the Red Wings. This kind of surprised me because I'd recently been hearing rumors that he thought he might be headed out of town. I guess he was an RFA this season. Or did, after, he, did he make I a think comment after this about season, that? He was maybe a UFA or something. Did he comment about that? Yeah, I think okay. he did. Um, so good for the Red Wings, bad for us because I kind of wanted him, <laughs> but I, there was no reason to believe we were going to get him. Uh, he's a very Alex Steen reminiscent player to me, just a very so. responsible two-way winger, uh, young. I get him and Nyquist mixed up. I don't know why. Yeah. One of them won the Kentucky Derby. Or the Triple Crown. <laughs> One <laughs> this, of you is a horse. <laughs> uh, but that's a fine signing. Uh, John Gabriel Pajot of the Senators, three years, $9.3 million. 
3.1 AAV. I think that's a really good deal, He's especially for how good he did in the playoffs. Yeah, he did great in the playoffs. I think he kind of exploded in the playoffs, so I think that's probably part of why it's so low. I think that's good for the they team, don't too. Know if yeah, that's for him sure. Or, you know, if, if normal Peugeot is him. But again, three years, you're not risking anything too big. The one that's odd to me Dan Girardi. <laughs> yes, let's go back to that. Let's ride that hobby horse a little bit longer. Uh, no, Victor Arvidsson of our division rival, uh, Nashville Predators, signed for seven years, $29.75 million. Uh, he's 24 years old, so this will carry him through 31. Uh, but the AAV is 4.25. This kind of seems weird on both sides to me. Because it feels like a stretch years-wise for the Mm -hmm. Predators, but it feels like Arvidsson could have earned more money if he, if like if he'd played like he played last year and became a UFA, he would have gotten way more than four point two five. So it just, I'm, I'm kind of really interested to see what becomes of this guy because Arvidsson, I kind of like because he was my fantasy hockey superstar <laughs> waiver pickup last year. Came out of nowhere. Uh, but I don't... Yeah, this is just weird to me. It's just kind of seven years at 4.25 seems like It's like the Pareko thing comment. we were talking about. Seven years just seems really long Yeah, for your second contract. Mm-hmm. Especially for a guy that is not proven at all, you know? I mean, really, he played 56 games last season and scored 16 points um, in Nashville. And then he played 80 this season and had 61, 31 goals, 30 assists. So that obviously a really good year. Uh, but he was a uh, the 112th overall draft pick, which is what, round four, right at the top of round five, maybe? Yep. Bottom of round four. So again, like Pareko, kind of not a high draft capital guy. I don't know. It's just, it could be great. I mean, obviously, if he continues to perform like he did, it's tremendous for the Predators. I think, yeah, if he but keeps doing how he's been doing. One of the things, the, the reason I get suspicious about a contract like this is I see it, and it makes me wonder if the player thinks that he outperformed himself the year before, you know? Because a player who really thinks he's oh he thinks he thinks oh this is good for me because I'm not going to be able to do this again so I'll cash in right that's my only concern I'm not saying he's consciously even doing that I'm just kind of curious Um, but we'll see as the years go by Uh, Micah Zabinajad is the last uh, Mika excuse me Zabinajad is the last he's with the senators now right he got no, traded from no, no he, he got, got traded, traded from, the, from senators. the senators to the rangers yep i get him mixed up with uh the one that went the other way Broussard. Broussard, yeah. Uh, so um he's 24 like all these guys so depressing uh, <laughs> they're making so much money five years 26.75 million dollars aav of 5.35 million dollars so i guess he is Whatever that is, five hundred thousand or fifty thousand more dollars more valuable <laughs> what, per year than what was a it? lot and five point three five. Oh, okay. 
I'm bad at math, but yeah, that would be 50. No, I just want to make sure it was five. For some reason, I swear I thought I, I heard the three after the five, and I was like, he's making three million a year? I'm like, uh, that's a seal. Yeah, so uh, that's that's another fine contract. They're all fine. They're just no, kind of, we just wasted a lot boring. of time. <laughs> no, but those are, I mean, those are, are young names that are going to be important going forward in the league. None of them are the high, high-profile stars, but it's good to keep. They them. all kind of feel like I don't mean to disparage any any of them or even Pareko, but they all feel like your solid sort of second tier. Yeah, they're they're your core, but they're not your first pairing. They're yeah. not your first line. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with that said, we'll move on to the uh, Atlantic Division. Uh, we'll talk about kind of the standings last year, where we see them going. Uh, this year, just in general, sort of break down the division and what we expect for the upcoming season. Uh, so last season ended with uh, Carey Price won the division with 100, <laughs> 103 points. Good for you, Carey. Uh, he also scored 226 goals, apparently. <laughs> yeah, a goal differential of 26. For one man. Which was all Carey Price. <laughs> Ottawa, who I just like, I still, I know they were in... Oh, I feel the same finals, way. And I look at this and I'm like, no. I go, they made it to the second place uh, in the Atlantic, but maybe not. Yeah, that. there were 98 points. Boston uh, and Toronto were tied at 95. And then Tampa Bay, oh boy, they just missed the playoffs. And that was was without Stamkos. They're making it. They're making it this year by a wide margin. They could win this division next year, as we'll talk about. Florida, who had been a, a kind of a surprise playoff team. Last year, returned way down to earth with 81 points, if I'm reading that correctly. I think they had some injuries. Yeah, and then Detroit, uh, how the mighty have fallen, 79 points. Good, I said good. And Buffalo still in the bottom feeders in this division <laughs> with 78 points. Detroit wasn't very good, and they still were that just that little bit better than yeah. Buffalo, which is disheartening. Yeah. This is a division where I don't see a lot of upheaval happening, but Mm-mm. we'll kind of talk about each team in turn. The big the big X factor is going to be Tampa Bay with Stamkos and with Kucherov, if he repeats anything like he Eight. had. I want to say 80-plus points last year well, for let, that dude. Let's not skip the lead. We'll get to Tampa Bay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, We'll just do it kind of alphabetically. So Boston uh, is first alphabetically. What do you think of the Bruins this year, Ian? Um, this is a team that, despite everything we were just talking about with, you know, like, oh, Tampa can go up and this team will go down, Boston to me screams the same spot to me that they were in finishing third, um, kind of middle of the pack. Maybe they missed it if they're real bad, but, I mean, just a few changes here and there. Uh, Charlie McAvoy for defense on defense he played. I think he only played in the playoffs last year for him due to injury from other other people missing, and he played pretty well. I think they're probably going to pencil him into a, the starting lineup for his rookie year this year, and he's he's a highly touted prospect. I think he plays the opposite side as Chara, so he's probably going to be playing with Chara. McAvoy is also how pretty is, tiny. How has Daniel Chara not turned to dust <laughs> by now? He's thirty nine or forty this year. Yeah. I and just, I don't know how his big body holds up. That's but. a guy that belongs in a graveyard like Vancouver. <laughs> but they have... The uh, Vancouver Canucks should be all over that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Chara. They, there's no way. He just retires there. Yeah, yeah you're right. There's <laughs> The top six for the Bruins I really like with Marchand and Bergeron, Pasternak, Petrano, Krejci. 
think that's only five, but top <laughs> top six. A group of six. I'm not. That's because they also throw Who, they throw Bacchus or, Spooner or yeah. Bacchus or whoever they throw them in yeah. there, but they're kind of like the fill in. Yeah. No offense to Bacchus or them. Some offense. Some of <laughs> But I do have it listed that they're those forwards. Those other forwards are a little bit sort of unproven or underperforming. Yet Matt Bolesky is just like yeah, why. Uh, that is and, that is a that's a buyer's remorse, like more so than Bacchus, because Bacchus at so. least provides that grit and leadership. <laughs> Matt Valeski is a career grinder who had one ridiculous year and you capitalized just, on yeah, yeah. like five million dollars. <laughs> just or rode oh, it to boy. the promised land. That is, I don't know where did Patrick Eves wind up this season because if they paid him a lot of money, that's going to be the, the same ducks, story. So they, I think the Ducks yeah. kept him. But they also have this Fors Fors Baca Carlson. That's his last name. I just put in his last name. He has a first name that's not Fors Baca. <laughs> For a second, I thought his name was Fors Baca Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a he's a prospect. So and I looked at his stats and they look pretty good. I, it'll just be interesting to see what he does, but he's sort of unproven. So, like I said, I see him sort of in the same spot. I think they make the playoffs because they just have Marshan and Pasternacker. I think just that good. And so I, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking like a third, third in the division, maybe a wild card spot. But like I said, not a lot of movement. The Bruins are a team that frustrates me because I they have a lot of undervalued talent like everybody on their team is underrated in a sense except for the guys that are overrated <laughs> which i guess is every team but like that patrice zero. bergeron is so good he's so 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 he's so getting up there good. isn't he i don't even think he's that old but i'll look him up but like he is just to me he's every bit of like a top center in the league. He's 31, so oh, he's okay. oh, wow. just yet. But, I don't know why I thought he was like 35 or something. Um, he just turned 31, actually, on the 24th. Uh, he is just, I mean, he he leads the league like every year in face-off wins, I think. Well, he's always a Selkie year. trophy candidate. Yeah, he's just, he just blows my mind that this is like not a guy you hear in the same breath as like Crosby and McDavid. Not that he's quite that level of player, but he's just as valuable as center. He's, in some he's ways, that good you know? for their team. Yeah, exactly. Brad Marchand, granted, is a horrible little weasel, but he's an incredibly good player. Oh, I'd take him on this team in a heartbeat. Yeah. I want, I want a player in that mold on this team so yeah. bad. And David Krejci, I don't think he's as dirty, but similarly, like David Pasternak. It is David. Those are both. David, I think right? they got like three Davids. Sounded weird. Back to back. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, all of those guys are so good, and I just feel like they keep kind of getting ignored out there. They don't have, like, the star. I mean, I guess they do get in Dunkin' Donuts commercials, but that's because <laughs> they're from Boston, and Boston's Boston. weird. But I don't like Boston teams in general, and it annoys me that they have so much talent, and it's just kind of like, eh, they're just up there, you know? <laughs> I think it's because they're in a division with a lot of Canadian teams. Yeah. And if you just follow the media around the Atlantic, they throw out Florida, they follow Tampa because they're good, yeah. and then you follow the three Canadian teams and go, oh, I guess Boston's there too. Yeah. But they're kind of, the, I think it was the token American team in that, in that division, in that division yeah. and everyone's like, oh, whatever. With that said, though, I, I agree with you that probably they stay where they are. However, if I'm looking at last year's standings and I'm picking a team that could fall out of the playoffs, mm. I, the obvious one is Ottawa as well as they did. <laughs> they still seem like the obvious choice. But Boston's a team to me that you look at Toronto, 
young, they're going to be insanely good this year. I think they took without a huge injuries. Jump. Yeah. I mean, all of this is taken with a grain of salt because you can yeah. never predict injuries and stuff like that. But Tampa Bay, if Stamkos comes back and stays healthy and nobody else dies, <laughs> and they have you know their star young core, they're going to be way better. Yep. Somebody who finished in the top four of this division has to not be a playoff team next year. It's not going to be Toronto. I don't think it's going to be Tampa Bay. You're right. I could see Boston so, being pushed out, not because I'm not saying they'll they be like a worked. 74 yeah. point team. I could just see them barely being on the fringe, not because they got worse. Yeah, but because, because the, the other, other teams, teams are getting better. that much better. I could see that. For but sure. with that said, they'll probably finish third. <laughs> I mean, they really will probably finish third in the division. Um, so moving on. Detroit Red Wings are next alphabetically. There's not a lot to say about this team. They not have too a new, much. They have a new arena. Oh yeah, Little Caesars name, Arena. Little Caesars Arena. But in my Detroit, dream. Replacing the iconic Joe Louis Arena. You wouldn't want to name another stadium after like an iconic sports figure. Let's name it after like <laughs> the seventh best <laughs> national pizza. Hot chain. and ready. Hot and ready. <laughs> They gotta throw that in there somewhere. These Red Wings are hot oh, and ready yeah, every day. <laughs> Gross. Uh, do you have anything more to say about the Red Wings? I mean, this is not a playoff team. No, I. In fact, I think I have them penciled in. I think Buffalo is going to finish ahead of them this year. I think they they occupy the last spot. I would agree. Yeah. They're they're just. I don't know how they didn't this year, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I It might have been the fact that. Um, uh, not McDavid, the other one. Eichel was Eichel hurt. Yeah. was hurt for I a while. He was hurt for a couple months. Yeah, but, that's probably the only difference. But for the Red Wings, though, it, they're just—it's kind of weird. They just have all these older players, like in Cronwall and Zetterberg, who are, are both doing pretty fine for their age. Um, How Apple are they Kate, still there? How have I, you not retired or demanded a trade? I guess. Yeah, I, it's the pride of wearing that jersey. Detroit I don't know. Until you die. Yeah, something like that. But they have all these young players like Mantha and Anton... Mantha. Antanasiu. Anta, Anta, Anta. Athanasiu. Anthanasiu. Abdulkane. I'm not going to say his name anymore. <laughs> but they have... And Larkin, who was a little bit of a... Larkin. <laughs> so, he had a terrible year uh, last year. I picked him in that fantasy and he just kind of so, And I almost traded you Patrick Laine. Not to rub it in, but we did talk about that trade. <laughs> I honestly forgot. Uh, I'm very upset. <laughs> uh, you would have probably won that last year. Uh, enough yeah. enough anyway, about that. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> but I think uh, they're just weird because they got a young core, and to me, I don't know if it's if it's true or not because I don't follow them that closely. But to me, they kind of seem like when we had Perron and Berglund Oshi coming up. And they kind of were peddled to us, or somewhat promised, like this is the, these young guys are gonna bring you the cup. These guys are coming, they're gonna bring you the cup. And I'm like, no way. And then <laughs> I, they might not have said it with Mantha and everyone else, uh, but it feels like this is your next yeah. young wing. And they kind of settled in at the second, third line role, which is fine. But they don't have someone to replace Satterberg, and they don't yeah. have someone to replace these guys. I look at it, and if you said these guys were going to bring you the cup, I would say no. No. <laughs> no. I don't see any of that. Larkin could be a top star in the league, but I don't see any of the other guys being really top. No. Even like Boston Bruin type. Like I said, that could, that could just be what I, how I see yeah. him. But it's one of those things where maybe they were never promised to be that, but I don't think they have anything in the pipeline that looks all that good. Yeah. So they might be in the basement for a while. Mrazek kind of had a 
not so great year poop. last year. Poop, 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 we'll year. say poop. <laughs> so I think they're in a weird spot, and by weird spot, I mean last in the division. Yeah, this is not a team that is going to get very good very fast, and it rightfully so because good. it's been too good for too long. Uh, There's a weird thing where when the Red Wings left our division was about the time that they started to like not be great anymore. I mean, they were they were fine for. A couple feels of years. I feel a little cheated. But there, yeah, there is a there's that. But then at the same time, I almost have like a weird soft spot for them now because I'm like, oh, it's the all time great team who's down on their luck. <laughs> it's like the Canadians forever. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, this team is not going to be good next year by any stretch. That that Red Wings comparison though, like you feel bad for them a little bit. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I feel oddly about the Blue Jackets, even yeah. though they were never some huge drive. I'm like, you know what, I'm a fan. You now that yeah, you're out of the I division. definitely did that with the Blue Jackets. But anyways. Uh, they're not going to be good this year. They do not have a young core yet, anything like Toronto or Edmonton. I think they're going to get some of those Columbus. basement picks to be able to yeah, sort of start need, going back they'll up. They'll need a few years to, to even be in contention, which sucks for the new arena, but is great for Red Wings haters. Uh, so moving <laughs> on to the Florida Panthers. Here's a team that went to the playoffs surprisingly two years ago and then took a really big step back from that this last year and so it's kind of hard to know exactly where they are and I feel like they're to to carry on your conversation about the young core Mm. of Detroit I feel like they're a team that needs to take a look at who their player development guys are and see if they need to make changes there because I feel like they have tons of young talent that just never has quite made it, except for Barkov, who is he's just good enough. Great. Yeah, I feel like Ekblad when he was drafted was like this guy's the next cornerstone defenseman in the league, and I just don't feel like he's there yet. Obviously, he's still insanely young, so this is all with a grain of salt. He's had like, a, he's had a couple of head injuries too. Yeah, Jonathan Huberdo. Is kind of like a Jeff Skinner type to me, where it's like they're pretty good, but they were supposed to be great. Did he run? He won Rookie of the Year one year. Yeah, I think, I think he did. Um, Mercia Show, or however you say it, is is pretty decent, but not like he's gone. Oh yeah, he left, didn't he? So, he got picked by the Golden Knights. Right. So um, gone. Just a team that I I, I feel like sort of like the Blues, I guess. I don't know. They're they're approaching. The window for this core, in a weird sense, like they're all mm-hmm. still young, but I don't see them sticking together and gelling anymore if they don't do it pretty soon. You know, there's there's missing pieces. They and, have chunks. Yeah, and so I don't have much more to say about them. But please add anything you want to. I think you touched on it, or when we were talking about Marchessault, they they lost him. And essentially lost Yager because they weren't re-signing him. But yeah. Yager actually had decent numbers last year, I mean, point-wise. But they replaced, they're hoping to replace their production with a KHL player, I forget his first name, but Dadanov, which I love. I just like the name. He's a new favorite you of mine. I mate named Mamanov. <laughs> they, I, he had, yeah, 53 games played last year and 66 points in the Mama KHL. Mamasinko. <laughs> And uh, they also have Verbata, who did decent in, in Arizona. So I think they're hoping they'll replace those two. Yeah. We said their defense looks okay. Ekblad's kind of he's good. He's good enough, but I think they're looking for great. I think they'll do better than last year. 
but wild card spot at best yeah. is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I should like everything I said at the beginning. This is still a team that could challenge in that division for sure. I just don't see them. I'm I'm worried about them as a team that I kind of like like from a distance mm-hmm. just because they're harmless, you know, and they did the the jersey reboot and they're like trying to make hockey work in a city I, where hockey I wish they work. I wish it would really stick. I'd love to see them succeed, but I'm just a little worried about them. Um I do love, just as a side note, hockey's really the only sport. I guess this happens in baseball, too, now. But, like, there's another, like, great professional league in hockey, you know, with the KHL. So, occasionally, you'll just bring a player over from that. And it'll be kind of like, what's this guy going to do now that he's in the NHL? And that's always kind of fun for me. You don't see that. And, like, the only path to the NFL is through the draft. Pretty much, you're not gonna like suddenly be an NFL player. You come from and the, the same with the NBA. You come from the CFL. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, you can't. But the only reason you got to the CFL was because you were too bad to be drafted in the first place. So that's true. Yeah, that's just a fun aside. So hopefully, dadding off. He's will. he's in his late twenties. So yeah, it's one of those things where he's an established player. He's probably not gonna have the jitter. You know, even though it's smaller ice, I'm sure he doesn't care. Yeah. So it's one of those like, ooh, you could hit a home run. Mm-hmm. So moving on to to Montreal, the fighting prices. Uh, this is the to me. This is like the most frantic team year after year this, in the NHL. This they're team just, wants to win the cup. They're every just year, always but, doing something, yeah. and it's not like the Yankees where they have a good core and they're no, always no, no, adding no. to it because there's unfortunately a salary cap, which is the difference there. But like, God, dang it, they uh, traded for Drouin. Because they had to, because he's French-Canadian. They signed Carl Alsner, who's definitely not French-Canadian. They added David Schlemko. Was he traded for or signed? He got picked by the Golden Knights, and and then they traded him for a fifth-round pick. So they essentially picked a fifth-round pick. I would have kept David Schlemko if I was the Golden Knights. Yeah, that's a weird But that's a whole other talk. Uh, They lost... Alexander Radulov, who was one of their best forwards last year. I don't know if they just didn't have the money when they were thinking about signing Price, so I don't know. They lost Andre Markov, who, if you haven't seen it, Andre Markov recently apparently got married, which is odd for a 39-year-old, I guess. But he and his wife, and I guess kids that one of them already had, or maybe they're like one of those couples that's been together for a long time and had kids and everything, they made like a music video. Oh, really? I have not seen this. And if you have not seen this, you need to look it up. It's like bizarre, but like really fun at the same time. And Andre Markov is the most like random dad-looking person on earth, other than like <laughs> Thomas Pukanic. So it's just, I don't know. It's With just fun. turtleneck. So yeah, we'll try to remember to tweet that off. Uh, they lost Markov and Sergachev, which is a huge loss. The piece they traded for Drewy. He, he's going to play this year. Looking at those teams, I certainly would have kept Sergachev of the two pieces that they really needed, but I. You may disagree I, with me. I on think that. so. I guess it de- and obviously depends it just, on how it works. It just feels like they need defense more than they need another winger who might not materialize. Also, Drewin's been in the league and hasn't exploded yet, like he was projected to. He's been good, but not but for, not great. He's like a third. He was like the third overall pick. I yeah, think, like an year. Eric Johnson sort of like fine, but not for where he was picked. Sort of thing. I guess I would have kept Sergeyev, but I but we'll really see. Looked. I mean, yeah. they could be right. So, but, what would you add about the the Canadians? I mean, just looking at those, looking at those ads and losses like that. 
if I hadn't if I hadn't have sort of written them out or anything, I would be like, oh, I like all their all their ads are pretty good. You know, they, I think they got better. But just seeing the rad, I think the Radulov loss and the Sergachev loss. Granted, Sergachev didn't play for them last year, but he most likely would have this year and is for sure going to play for Tampa. I, I don't know. It's to me, it looks kind of like a wash, and for all that movement, that seems kind of odd mm-hmm. to me. But to me, at best, they win the division again. At worst, at best, at they best, win the at division. best, yeah, at best. <laughs> well, I don't think they well, can withstand that. <laughs> well, I don't think they. I don't think they won the cup. That's yeah. for sure. But yeah. at worst, they're. I. At worst, they're a wild card team. I don't see them not being in the playoffs. But for what they have in that team and for being in Montreal, if they're a wild card team, that's just terrible. Especially, like you said, yeah. for all the frantic movement they do all the time. They they essentially move to win the cup every year, which every team hopes to do and tries to do. But you don't need that much movement. And it seems like they're constantly just treading water towards the cup. They're never making any sort of big move like, oh, this is the one. They kind of yeah. make a move, and you're like, okay, I can see the thought process, but I don't know if we get to any closer. And they never look all that great in the playoffs to me. It's like you said, it's Carey Price. Can Carey Price withstand the other team? <laughs> and I was like, oh, he can't. He can't take on another team for like seven games all yeah. on his own. Oh, well, I guess they lost. This is a team, you know, uh, Doug Armstrong, who I, I like Doug Armstrong. I think with his draft moves, he's back on my good side. But he's not. I'm not trying to say he's the best GM in the league or anything necessarily, mm-hmm. but he talks every time I've heard him talk pretty much, he talks about how you have a one-year, three-year, five-year plan sort of thing. And the Canadians are a team that stops at one year. I'd agree. Not, there is no way Mark Bergevin knows what he's doing in three years or five years. This is the Leafs of like ten years in ago. In the sense that he knows Carey, other than that he knows Carey Price will be there then. So they'll be good. And this is this is their problem. Like Carey Price is obviously in one sense as we saw the year before last, he's all that's making them a good team. But because he's there, he's almost a crutch in the sense that they just they don't need to plan yeah they rely they on them so, so they'll be good this is like you know if if Connor McDavid had come into the league like it, as weird as like the the Milan Lucic signing was that was a signing where they wanted a big body guy to mm-hmm. compliment McDavid and they didn't know how hard and how fast he'd drop off this is like this is a team that's just kind of part of it is the problem of him being a goalie and being that valuable. But like they just kind of be like, you go back there, Carrie, and we're gonna put these pieces up front, <laughs> and one of these times it'll just work, and there will be a Stanley Cup there, and maybe one of these times it does, but it won't be because of like brilliant planning. When you watch them, just from an eye test, mm-hmm. they never seem like a team to my eyes that gels yeah and like you said it's probably just the one year thing they're like well yeah. this is our plan but i watch them and they even when they win it just looks like this weird they'll look dominant and stuff too but i just look at like, this is some weird amalgam of a team yeah that just won a game and they all kind of look at each other and just walk back in the tunnel <laughs> and i'm like what is this to yeah. me i don't know how montreal fans 
stand for that? I don't know. How, do, how does a, a fan base like Montreal go, okay, fine? Yeah. And maybe they don't. I don't speak French-Canadian, so. Right. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the, I make the comparison to the Yankees because they're equally, like, dominant historic Yeah, teams. historic, yep. But, like, you look at the Yankees right now, especially not, I don't want to go too deep into baseball, but they, like, they sold out. They, like, it kind of shocked everybody a few years ago when they were like, okay, Rivera's gone, Jeter's retiring, we're not we got to have another plan. 1990s Yankees anymore. We're going to rebuild. And people thought, no, you'll just throw money at weird free agents and build kind of like a weird like Frankenstein team. And they were <laughs> like, no, we're going to commit to being bad for a couple of years. We're going to draft well. We're going to rebuild. Now, because God loves the Yankees, they never actually really went into the doldrums. They just kind of tread water, and now they're great again. <laughs> but that's an, a different topic. The The Canadians are never going to commit to that. They're never going to say, okay, they're- we need to build a team with even with Carey Price as the identity, because he's young enough that you could do that. You could say we're going to start a two or three year rebuilding. They process. could, and they've had him long, or they have him long enough. They could. He's, yeah, it's too. It's whatever. Too big of a market. Yeah. That's what Toronto. That's what Toronto used to think. But that's, even five or six years right. ago, and, and they what finally New York would have said too. They but, finally gave in. Like this is the only way to do it. Sorry, yeah. and you have to think that's kind of okay for a Canadian franchise. You because would think. You would they're think still the going to watch you. They're Canadian. Yeah, exactly. What else are they going to do? And you would think <laughs> the fans would get it. Like if, that's what I don't understand. If I'm looking at the, if I'm a Canadians fan right now, and I look at this team being good but never great, year after year after year after year, I'm ge- I'm getting tired of that. I mean, it's with the it's with the Blues. It's kind of right? like I mean, this, maybe this is why we're so infuriated. It's like looking in a mirror. But we don't have like the resources that we don't have the Carey Price. I mean, True. Tarasenko it's not quite it's not is, quite the same. Is not Carey Price, and I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just we're also not the Canadians. That's the <laughs> other side of the coin. Yeah. You know, we're not one of the greatest. I do players. like our complaints for a, a team that won the division last year. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's totally true, but. You're right at the same time where you say, like, their ceiling is winning the division and being bounced in the first or second round. Like, they lost to the Rangers, or did they get squeak past the Rangers and lose in the next round? They lost no, to the Rangers. They right? lost to the Rangers because then the Rangers lost a, to the Senators. A yeah. good team does not lose to the Rangers in the playoffs. Like, a great team does not do that. They were not good enough. They go out year. with a whimper all the time. Yeah. And it's just. And I can't believe, like I said, that market stands for it. Right. They're. They're very comparable to the Capitals in a sense, except that the Capitals haven't had the sustained years of success I previously. Feel, I feel like you can see the Capitals really try yeah. hard. Like we gotta go for it. Yeah. And Montreal, I swear, as a team just goes, "Ah, eh, we'll try, <laughs> we'll try." And they Some of this is maybe influenced by the fact that we actually, as the as the Blues, have never gotten to play Carey Price. I swear they. They oh, subbed Al Montoya both times last year, which always seemed like a slap in the face. And then the year before, he was injured. So maybe we haven't seen them at their best. I don't want to just pick on the Canadians all day, but I do see them as a team that, like, I just don't see them being great anytime soon. I think, and the reason I'm so fired up about it, because, like, the things I wouldn't give 
to get carried price <laughs> yeah. are they non-existent. There's nothing I wouldn't give to have a goalie that good. I think what we're seeing is just the other side of the hill. You know, yeah. it's you can it's within grass is greener. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. That's true. Uh, so moving on to the Ottawa Senators, who yes were second in this division last year, and yes went to the game seven. And almost yeah. won the Eastern Conference Finals. And yes, we'll be missing the playoffs this year. <laughs> I don't... I feel like, despite what we said about Slavin and Carolina yeah. not knowing that much about them, the Ottawa, despite them getting that far, I feel like I know the least about. I can yeah. name players on their team. I just don't know... But only because they got that far. Yeah, I don't know... I don't know characteristics of their players. Like, oh, they have Stone, and they have Hoffman, mm-hmm. and they have Turris. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, those are just three names. <laughs> and I see, like, oh, 60 points. That's pretty good. But I don't know what they do, mm-hmm. which, I mean, 60 points is great. But I just, I don't have a, there's no characteristics to put to these people. Yeah. I think this is a team, I mean, God bless him and his wife, but I, uh, Craig Anderson last year mm. with his wife's cancer diagnosis leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back. I think this is a team that kind of emotionally rallied around that. And Anderson, to his credit, played phenomenal. He played great. Well. I'd say without him, without that play, they're not that but far. But is that sustainable? Like, maybe... That's my question. Best, best version of the story, that gelled this core together, and they'll just stay gelled together, and they'll still be good, and they'll move forward, and they'll still be good. But maybe it's a one-year thing, and they kind of fall apart. Now, I mean, the one thing they do have that nobody else has is Eric Carlson, who I do <laughs> there's, like. There's your Carey Price only yeah, on the blue line. Right. I mean, I do kind of. I almost forget he's up there because he's like it's such a weird like team other than him. You know, he's the only star power. He's kind of. I kind of in the same way. Yeah, view him like a Carey Price thing, where it's like if you didn't have him back there, that's like seventy points gone, yeah. and you're not replacing those. Right. You're getting like thirty points out of a different guy. So, mm-hmm. to me, I I they're, they're the ones I'd be the least shocked about not making the playoffs of yeah. the teams that did. Yeah, I still see him contending for a wild card spot. I think they're a fun team to watch in the playoffs against the Rangers. They had tons of back and forth. They're a high run-and-gun offensive team. They just, like I said, I don't think I see them enough during the season, and they're out in the Eastern Conference anyways, and I feel like they get talked about less because they're sandwiched between Montreal and Toronto um, that you just don't get a lot of exposure out here. And this is a team, too. I'm looking back at the standings. 98 points is very impressive, but they had 38 Regulation and overtime wins, which is a lot less than the 44 Montreal had, and it's even less than the 42 Boston had. They had a goal differential of negative two, finishing mm. second in the division. And I also think they're a team, I just don't think they have anything on the line this season, other than generally Canadian teams feel more pressure. There is no way a, a Senators fan, after the miraculous weird run they had this year can go into next season. I mean, if they just dog it, they'll be pissed, obviously. But, like, they can't go into next season and say it's Stanley Cup or bust. There's no way they're at that point yet. And, like, on the other hand, Montreal we just talked about, 
highest expectations in hockey year after year. Boston is an all-time great team. They've always got great expectations. If Toronto doesn't improve from where they were last year, heads will roll in that organization. I think they'll flip. If they go down any, I think they'll flip out, which would be kind of fun to watch. but. Uh, But, and Tampa is just, I just think with Stamkos back, they're a whole different team. I just, I don't, I want the Senators to succeed. I like the Senators. I loved yeah. watching them this year. I was rooting hard for them against the Penguins. I just don't know if I see it. I'm just not convinced. So, well, I mean, I guess time will tell. <laughs> People aren't convinced the whole way through the playoffs, and it's weird. Right, and I don't think I'm alone. Like, I haven't seen no, a lot no, of analysts no. going out and being like, the Senators are the real deal, you know, maybe Bruce Garriouch of the Ottawa Sun. <laughs> it was just funny to watch them go that far, and every time they progress people like oh weird like yeah. I don't, it won't happen this oh. round and they do it again and then finally when they got knocked out everyone was like yeah, yeah. that's what i thought <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on to the lightning this this could be this could be a stanley uh, cup team to me for sure they're scary you good. have palat johnson kucherov kalorn stamkos callahan kunitz who while old is still a good get yeah. point who i think was a rookie last year and did pretty amazing Hedman, Strawman, and Sergachev. And Dan Girardi. <laughs> I was gonna put down Dan Girardi as like this weird question mark, like what? But that's that's a nuts team. And I granted there'll be injuries. They had a few last year, namely Stamkos. But I think barring a Vasilevsky implosion, this team is top three in their division. Yeah. Easily. Easily, yeah. Stamkos is an elite, 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 elite player. He's top five, top ten minimum in the league. He's a center. He's a sniper. He's everything in one package. And they didn't have him last year, and they missed the playoffs by a point. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And they didn't have Sergachev, who's young. They didn't have Kunitz. And they haven't lost anything, to my knowledge. The only big thing that changed is they're going into the year with Andre Vasilevsky as their starting goaltender. Ben Bishop is gone, and now the young Russian is in charge of the net. I think he's the one question but mark, he, and that's it. He, to me, is... I mean, they've known this for years. They've known they weren't keeping Ben Bishop. They've mm. known this guy was the goalie of the future. So it's kind of like us last year with Jake Allen. You, at some point, you have to commit, right? And I think... Vasilevsky has a higher ceiling than Allen was ever projected to have, as good as Allen was last year. Was Vasilevsky first rounder? I don't know. He's pretty close. I'll look that up. But I mean, I've known about this guy being a top young goalie prospect. They've talked about him for a while, long time. You know, I not that he's only yeah. I think he's only twenty three. Hockey expert, but I drafted this guy last year because I was certain that they would trade Bishop at the deadline and make this guy the starter. Spot on. Um, he's 22. He was oh, drafted 22. 19th overall. This was the guy. <laughs> I remember this now. This was the guy that was picked with the pick that Dan Quincy was flipped from Tampa Bay to Detroit with. Oh, really? I mentioned to our Avalanche fan friend who's now gotten dropped, <laughs> name dropped in two episodes. But yeah, Dan Quincy was flipped from, I'm pretty sure. Is it Kyle? Kyle, Kyle Quincy. Quincy. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, was flipped to. Uh, Tampa Bay, and they immediately flipped him to the Red Wings for a first-rounder, and that became Andre Vasilevsky. This is the best thing Kyle Quincy has ever done. Uh, yes, absolutely, by a long, long way. Um, but, yeah, so he's a really top, top young goalie. 
He's 22, which is way earlier than most goalies get there. By a good margin. And then they got Budai to back him up, right? Yeah, and if, he, rep- and so, if he plays and as good as he did last year. He did yeah. really well when Price was hurt last year uh, and struggling. I don't oh, know if he was quick, ever hurt. Yeah. Or quick, yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, who was? Oh, yeah, that was uh, Montoya or whoever. <laughs> so, Montoya. Yeah, sorry. So I just, this team could for sure win it all. I think they were in the, I don't they were in the finals. What was that? Well, it's now been two Penguins Cups, three cups ago. Yeah. They're against the Blackhawks, and that was before all the triplets were really a thing, and before Hedman had really grown. I think it's when they became a thing, was or people started to get a yeah. wind of them. So, I think the sky's the limit for they'd, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They'd scare me, and I think the sky could also be the limit for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are the last team. We have to talk about. I think this will be an interesting rivalry between these two. Mm-hmm. I think they will be the teams. There for sure, these guys can finish one two in the division. I agree. Yep. You know, e- either order. Um, I think maybe it's a year early for the for the Maple Leafs to make that jump because as good as Austin Matthews was last year, he's not Connor McDavid. You know, no. so they're not going to just. He's not just going to play. 40, on the job 40 goals for him might be a pretty big cap, even for yeah. him. I know in his rookie year, but I just mean that's a that's a huge amount of goals for anybody. The difference I think for between Toronto and um, Edmonton is that Toronto just has a lot of like insane, like an insane amount of young talent. Edmonton's got some young talent, like Drysaddle, and you have it kind of concentrated in like two or three yeah. guys over there. And here they have it's a little more Edmonton spread has out. Probably higher ceiling guys, mm-hmm. but only a couple of them. And mm, Toronto has Matthews and Mitch Marner and Bill Nylander, <laughs> Bill Nylander, and uh, Zach Hyman, Dustin or Justin Brown. <laughs> Almost insulted. Connor Brown. <laughs> Connor Brown. Justin Brown's his dad, right? And Dustin Brown's the. Could be. Terrible. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know his dad. Uh, and uh, Zaitsev and et cetera. They've just got a ton of it. So well, I don't want to steal all your points. No, no. But. That was just kind of what I was going to talk about was the fact that I, I really like the way they're constructed. Mm-hmm. You'd like a team to be nothing but youth and all be good right away, so that'd be your fantasy world. But in the real world, you'd want a little kind of mix-up of different age groups, but everyone doing fairly well, and that's kind of what they have. They have Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Hyman, Brown, and Zaitsev. They're all pretty young. That uh, All of them are rookies last year except for Nylander, Nylander. And then you've got uh, guys that are kind of a little bit older in their prime years, like Kadri, Kamarov, Bozak. I forget that this team still has JVR for one more year. I think Bozak's also one more year. You've There's got, no way JVR stays with the Maple No, I think they've even... Zero they've, they've already talked about the fact that I would, a kind of a Shattenkirk thing, do we keep him through the deadline yeah, if we're doing real well? I wouldn't well? be surprised if they traded him regardless of how well they're doing, just I, because he's a valuable enough asset to get a return. I would. He's not I would. adding much to their team. I'd, I'd trade them at the deadline. But they got Riley and Gardner on the blue line. They've been there for uh, three or four years-ish. And then veterans. They have oh. a Thomas effing Wilgren. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand Probably the overhype. Yeah. Uh, we both love the Steve Dangle podcast, but this guy. 
is like <laughs> God, apparently. But they he, love him. He's probably not going to be there this year anyway. No, but they also acquired they acquired all three of their veterans minus Matt Martin. Mm-hmm. So they have Marlowe and Hainsey and Moore, and I just think that combination of sort of youth and you know middle middle aged guys and then older guys just kind of I don't know it gels your team together well. You kind of get a little seen it all and youth energy and everything mm. to it and if you got mike babcock as your coach and uh, frederick anderson did pretty well back there last year between the pipes i yeah. think it's a team that at worst again they make the playoff they squeak in but at best i don't know like you said i i'm a little gun shy to say they win the division they contend for it for sure i think they most certainly can get out of the wild card spot and i think as a leafs fan you would want them to go beyond the first round, especially given oh, the fact sure. that they yeah. took the Capitals, who were, even though they got knocked out of the second round, were still a very good team. Won the all the way to, sure, yeah, right? yeah, exactly, finished first overall in the whole league. They took them to six games, so I would think basically anyone that they go up against, barring some weird Pittsburgh Penguin thing that they have to do, yeah. um, they, should, they should be in for sure. I think one of the things... The Marlowe contract, as much as we complained about it last time... It's, it's grown on me ter- a little. Well, it's going to look terrible at the third year of that. It really will. Oh, he's not, he doesn't retire. He's not going to be here in the third but year, or I have to eat a sock. So he's not, so not going to be there. For this year, though, it's going to look fine. He's going to do really well there. He's going to be a great mm. impact. They're just going to ghost him out of that guys. town, really. Yeah. Um, the one... I, I'm not... A hundred percent sold on Frederick Anderson. I think he's fine. I don't know if he's great. I'd say he's the like. Good. If anything is gonna like collapse on this team, that's the. And I'm not saying this will happen, but that's the only mm. element where I could see it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really you think know? they have anything behind them either. They have like Curtis McAlee. <laughs> yeah, that's not. So yeah, that's not your starter. They're not a team that's prepared. For even like a goaltending injury, which I guess is more likely than him just collapsing, you know. They they were very lucky last year too. They I think they were one of the like least injured teams. Yeah. So we'll see if that but bug hits them. I still think they could also win the division. So we'll see. Um, I don't think they're quite to that level yet, but they're going to be really good for a long time if they don't screw anything up. They're which fun to watch. It's, it's Toronto, so they probably will. <laughs> so that's the Atlantic uh, Division. We'll probably cover the Metropolitan when we when we come back. Yeah, that's the plan. In a week or two, and then we'll move to the West, and then we'll cover the Central last as we get closer to the season. Uh, moving back to a Blues topic, uh, we're going to talk about some of the Blues' top prospects uh, just some observations from Prospect Camp overall, which, again, we meant to talk about a few weeks ago but ran out of time for. Um, I think the Blues have a more exciting group of prospects right now than they've had in a, in a while of guys sure. that I was really like excited to see what they can do. I don't know that any of them are necessarily top, top-end prospects except for maybe Clem Costin. And maybe Jake Wallman, both of you, will talk about. Mm. In a, which I guess two, two maybe <laughs> for top end <laughs> prospects. That's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, is there any particular order you want to do these guys in? Or I just kind of had them in. I, I don't know. This isn't even alphabetical. Draft no, not really. Yes. But so we can just kind of hit. We can kind of hit on them real fast because some of these names you might hear again later this year. 
or in training when camp. When they're playing for the Blues. <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few that could be, but then there's a few that are going to be good, but there's just you're not going to hear from them again until next summer when they're at a, at a camp. So, But we'll start with uh, Robert Thomas, who was the first pick of the Blues this year in the draft. So 2017, round one, 20th pick overall. I know this is. these are all some observations I read online from people that seem to attend Blues camps and look at them a lot more closely than anyone I seem to read about or even I do. So Robert Thomas, sort of, he's a center. He's a lot more of a playmaking center. So they said he's pretty patient with the puck, a real smooth skater, uh, really likes to actually go after the puck. I don't think he's an overly large guy, but he kind of gets into the corners and the boards. And tries to go like those higher danger zone scoring areas in front of the net, which is a little different. <laughs> it's a little different for someone who's considered more of a playmaker. You know, mm-hmm. they're not really going to be found up there. So it's kind of nice to see a diversity in his playing style. Um, I think they said his shot was kind of weak, which is something you work on, but also makes sense when you're a playmaker. So that's kind of that's everything that people have looked at on him. Uh, Would Rob- you say he's a smooth operator? Right. I can see your face. I can see the gears turning in your head. I'm like, is he going to say something weird about Robert Thomas? Like, did you know I'm not a fan or something? But no, it was... I've heard he's quite unwill on the ice. Okay. <laughs> many, many puns to be had. So many Matchbox 20 puns. Um, and I expect our organist to make full use of them Please. when the time comes. Uh, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. You have more to say. No, I mean, like I said, I think he's got a pretty good ceiling, and it's something where I don't think we have. We've drafted a couple centers in the last two or three drafts, but they've all been more guys that sound like they're going to play wing, and they've been more of the scoring. Because every center (laughs) on the Blues is going to play wing eventually. Yeah, if you just turn the C (laughs) upside down and, like, copy it over the other way, it's a W, so I don't really see what the problem is. But I think he seems like someone, even this early on in his sort of, uh, we'll call it NHL career, that they are going to want to use at center because he just has that playmaking ability. Yeah, I think the I was initially soured on Robert Thomas only because draft day, we talked about this last time, it was such a weird draft. Some guys had this guy in the third round. Yeah. Other guys had him like exactly where was he was. Was the picked. comparable Bo Horvat? Yeah. Was that what it Which, was? Which, honestly, I'm fine with. Like, yeah, even I'll take if it. that's what he becomes, I'm fine with that's it. That's better than some of the other ones yeah, they saw in draft day. I just like, at the time, there were a couple guys at the desk that were kind of like, you know, and then there were a couple guys that were like, yeah. we love this pick. So I'm trying to move away from that. I'm actually pretty excited about him, not just because of the punability of his name. <laughs> Uh, but I think we could see him. I don't think he'll never be, in my opinion, that number one center that we really need. Probably not. You you don't know. It's a little early on, but it is early. the projection is that. I guess, yeah. Let me rephrase. He could be. A, he could be possibly a number one center. It'd be a surprise in the mold of like the Paul Stastny, where I think he's a number one center, but people are like, this guy's not a number one center. You know, and unquestionable. Sense that, like, yeah, there's. In the sense that, like, you could have Tom Brady as your quarterback, or you can have Joe Flacco, who's a fine quarterback, but he's not an elite, you know. Yeah, Which yeah. I think we talked, we've talked about this before, and it kind of drives me crazy. But there's that perception with center where people say this guy's not a number one center because he's not Sidney Crosby. Yeah. But, but you can't get to the yeah, Crosby. But the, but the other, <laughs> so you have to settle. The other 30 teams don't have. That could be in a five-man major in itself about <laughs> Paul Stastny and that impression. But, yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm excited about Robert Thomas. The player I'm most excited about probably in this group is the Russian we drafted at the end of the first round, Quim Costin. Uh, this is a guy... If you go on the internet, they'll tell you he's going to play for our team for sure this year, which I still don't believe, but I think he's going to be great down the line. I think, yeah, you, yeah that's... I, I kind of agree with you, which I'm, I'm not saying he's for sure playing for this team this year. He'll however, get a shot. However... I'm not sure that that's not in the plans a little bit for a couple of reasons. For one thing, I feel like we left a gaping hole at the wing, especially with Patrick Bergwin being injured for a good chunk of the He's season. He's a center, damn it. I feel, yeah, well, kind of. But <laughs> exactly, kind of. I, I feel well, they will use weird pieces oh, to fit for sure. into that goal. I feel like we needed a third line right wing. I feel like that's one of the reasons Justin Williams was talked about so much. And Bo Bennett is not going to be forgetting that Bo Bennett. So it feels like we kind of left open a gap that Clem Costin could particularly fill. You and I well. both know they're jamming Bo Bennett into that oh, hole no matter oh, what. Are. But the uh, the only other thing is I heard an interview with Armstrong and he very meticulously oh, yeah. did not say that Quim Costum was not a part of our plans this year. Now he didn't say he was, but it was one of those classic GME dodges where it was kind of like, huh? Like why to, wouldn't he just say to no? To me, the easy yeah. thing is to say no. He's not a part of our plans this year because nobody's shocked by that. He's a draft pick in the NHL at the end of the first round. You don't expect mm-hmm. those guys to be a part of our plans. But he made some long-winded response about, well, you don't want to put a ceiling on the player, because you, or you don't want to, you know, bump his expectations too high, because you don't want to like put him in a box. And it was like, so what are you saying, you know? <laughs> but, what an interesting response. With all that said, I'm not going to be like disappointed if Quim Costin isn't a part of the team this year. I'm just not convinced that he won't be. In my mind, I think he's in the AHL. How I see it going is he's in the AHL to begin the season. He struggles to start. Not that I think he will, but that's just kind of my pessimistic mind, and he kind of grows into it. Mm-hmm. And I think next year is the year that he jumps up, which is still pretty young. I think he's 18. So, But I do think they, give him, I think they give him more of a legitimate shot this year than even, say, someone like Tage Thompson, Yeah, in all honesty. But he's he's he could always come up at the trade deadline. You know how Doug Armstrong loves to call up players or return <laughs> it's like injured a trade. players. It's like a free agent. But he's he's a, a big body. He's it's a man's body because he's over there in Russia. But he protects the puck well. Uh, they said his wristers really good. That's always nice here. Somehow we have this trend of heavy wristers and Russian players on this team. And the only downside I ever heard anything about was just that looking at the puck a little bit head down during play. But like I said, that's probably nerves. It's probably smaller ice and just being trying to acclimate yourself to over here. You said smaller ice. I heard small rice. That's just smaller like, rice. You never heard that phrase? <laughs> like, where is this expression coming from? Yeah, it probably is small rice. Small rice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be. I, he could be a very, very, very good yeah. player one day. Um, so now moving on to the other big Russian, uh, Alexei Toropchenko, our fourth round draft pick, number one hundred and thirteen overall, one pick behind whoever we talked about earlier that was drafted at one hundred and twelve. Oh yeah, one of the extended guys. Um, what do you think about Toropchenko? 
I think I heard a lot that he could have been he could be a late round sort of steal. He's a big body too. I think he's a little more lanky mm-hmm. currently. I know that they said he he sees the ice really well for a player that plays on bigger ice and uh, is really good at reading the play and picking off passes. Small rice is, I'm just going to say. You're just going to say smaller, smaller That's rice. small rice. <laughs> but I think, I think they like where his head's at for a young player. I think a lot of time with younger players, you'll see kind of the rawness to their skill. And like, okay, this is something where we can see he's got a heavy shot or skates fast, but does he think the game at a, a high level? And it sounded like Torbchenko does do that, which I think is really good for a prospect because you can kind of teach them other aspects, how to use their body and things like that, which he already does. But if you can think the game at that level, you're already one step ahead of a lot of a lot of other people within the organization. And I think the other thing, too, was I heard a lot of comparisons to PayRV in terms of skating and skating speed. Hooray! <laughs> I, know. I mean, that's really good. That's no, fast. Yeah, yeah, no, for, for skating. If you're yes. talking about speed alone, that's really good. All yeah. the other things. But <laughs> I actually like Magpie, but yeah. I, I mean, If you were saying, like, as a comparable player, Have I would you seen not his like, wraparound? It's very good. That's true. It's his only show. <laughs> He also was a first-round pick. So. Uh, well, that's a little different. But not for us. That's the good news. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, Torotrinko was a guy the day of the draft I was hearing people say, ooh, this is like a, this is a good pick for the Blues. It's just because his name sounds close to Tarasenko. Tarasenko yeah. He could have, they could have told Tar- me. Torotrinko and Tarasenko and Schmoltz and Schmoltz <laughs> and... Schmitz. <laughs> you could have told me though that he's like, ah, he's projected to be fourth line at best. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm glad that his name is Torovchenko <laughs> and he's going to be on our team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, David Noel was our next draft. Well, yes, was, was our next draft pick that this past season, this past <laughs> draft. Uh, fifth round pick, so the types of guys who don't even see the NHL yeah, lots of times. we're getting to where we're just kind of guessing at people. Yeah, do you have any quick notes I, on this guy? I only want to clarify that I think in our last podcast, the one before that, I said that uh, someone had seen his shot and that his shot was what was being touted. It was what was like his number one skill. And, and someone was like, <laughs> they called it a muffin. And granted, this is one person's opinion, but apparently more people looking at him. And in the days after, like you had previously said, it looked more like nerves. They mm-hmm. said it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. So you're saying it was small rice, small rice, <laughs> small rice, small rice. Um, they said that he's really good at closing the gap uh, between him and the puck carrier and moves the puck well, but they said like, he doesn't look all that, confident without the puck doesn't really know where to be you know when he's watching the play in fact he might just be caught watching the play so that's something to work on but like we said round five always good for defenders to get caught watching (laughs) yeah that's what you want out of your defenders whoops which side am i defending is that my goalie oops but fifth round you you don't know it's young if we see this guy it's not for like three years if we see him at all it's kind of a victory honestly i mean like the NHL draft, there's such a steep dropout where, like, first-round guys are supposed True. to make an impact, but don't always. Second-round oh, yeah, guys are like, it'd be great if they were good players, and then beyond that, it's like... There could be 15 of your first, whatever, 31st picks in yeah. the first round, and you're like, who the hell is if that? You go, like, if you ever go to the, the draft page for a certain year, even, like, 2010, like, half of the names will be read in the first round. Mm-hmm. They'd not even, like, have a Wikipedia page about them. Mm-hmm. They're so insignificant. 
which is weird about hockey. I guess that's what happens when you try to draft kids at 18. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so not much more to say about him. Tage Thompson would be next. Uh, he's our first-round pick from last year, traded up like two spots to get him from the <laughs> we needed Canadians. Uh, huge body for a center, kind of a, a Martin Hansel type, oh, if man. you will, which I'm sure was one of his comparables at the time. Please be slightly better, I guess. Uh, terrific name. Tage I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope he succeeds. Just Do you think that's I what? Been, I got the rage for Tate. Do you think you know? what that scouting group was doing when they're going down the very large frame, <laughs> well, heavy here, shot, here's fantastic ba- name. Here's Barry Johnson, and here's Tage Thompson. That's why they moved up. They're like, we're not going to draft like Ben Smith. Smash Jackson. <laughs> we want Tage Thompson, damn it. Um, yeah, 6'5". I think they said he looked bigger think about this if you year. I drafted a guy with a name like just spitballing here, like Robert Thomas. You know, Robert you, could, Thomas. you couldn't draft that. That would be too boring. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm, and the, the rest goes. <laughs> so, any more to say about Tage Thompson? Other than he's big. <laughs> I mean, he no. has great hands, I hope. <laughs> he's. He's supposed to be pretty good, pretty good hands. I think that he might have a little bit of David Perron syndrome, early David Perron syndrome, not the offensive the zone penalties. The no, no, no. no, no, no. At Joe the elbow Thornton. of Joe Thornton. <laughs> Stepping out of the box, don't mind me. The league's angel, Joe Thornton. <laughs> um, I the know ESPN it's more. body issue, Joe Thornton. It should have just been a close up of his elbow. We're not, we're not tweeting that out, Chris. No, no. But, uh,. No, I think it's that he just kind of over-deeks. I think they said he'll deke two guys, and you're like, that's pretty impressive. And there's a third guy, and you go, well, pass or shoot. And he goes, I think I'll deke again. And you go, no. So I think they'll have to work on that. I think also he's, I don't know if he's still growing into his body, so he's not really using, you know, he's not. Uh I think he protects the puck well, but he could shove a little dude off the puck, and I think he tends to stick check or something yeah. like that. So I think they're they're hoping to coach that into him, so I think he'll be fine. Get that David Backus right oh, yeah. into him. Like Tage. <laughs> so yeah, I, Tage is a guy who I, I don't think he's probably getting much of an opportunity up here this year. They'll look Could. at him. They'll look at him, and maybe he surprises in camp. Um, we weren't necessarily expecting Robbie Fabry to come up two years ago, so who knows. Um, but I'm I'm moderately excited about him. I think this is a situation where for a pure center, I think drafting Thomas like almost immediately supplanted Thompson. That's not going to be confusing (laughs) as like that best like pure center uh, prospect we have. I think he got buried by a a spot if you can call it that. But I think Thompson could still be valuable for sure even if, you know, as a trade piece potentially. Not that we're necessarily there. Uh, Jordan Cairo was drafted in the second round last year uh, in the trade for Brian Elliott. He's the one that excites me a little bit more out of the two. Yeah, he's a smaller player, than much smaller than Thompson, smaller than most people, but has incredible speed um, and is a pretty good playmaker. What do you think about I think the comparable, maybe due to his size, too, is a Fabry type. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit less of a goal scorer, more of a playmaker. Yeah. I'd say he's probably supposedly a little more crafty, like sort of getting out of the corners and everything. I think Fabry tend to get a little pinned in there, but I mean, he's also like 
five foot one or whatever yeah. tiny frame he is. But I, I'm interested in him. They supposedly his skating's amazing. Will he also be best friends with Joel Edmondson? No, that's no. friend slash lover, and that <laughs> that's probably only him and Tage Thompson. <laughs> but he's got a really good playmaking ability. I think I saw they said that his shot wasn't the greatest, but they also said it was kind of a, a Stasny like shot was where it a muffin, a muffin, <laughs> other baked goods, a donut, and he, <laughs> perhaps he was shooting an eclair. <laughs> And I think they say he needs to work on his defensive game, but in all honesty, that's like every prospect every ever. Player, I've never heard yeah. a prospect go, this guy needs to work on his offensive game because his defensive game is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like your number Alex one defense. Yeah. Maybe your number one defense sweep. But he, I would say he gets a shot. The only difference with him is due to his age that he can't play in the AHL this year, um, which we can which talk about. Which is great. Uh, yeah, which is really <laughs> that's good. That's convenient. So it's either juniors again for him, or he's up here. So maybe they give him the nine yeah. game trial at most, but I don't see him on the team. I'd like to. Right. That'd be cool. I I think overall, and I really don't know who it is. I said it about Costin. I think one of these guys emerges as an impact player on this team this year. This year. I could I see it. Have, we have a spot. We do kind of have a spot. Yeah. I feel like we're gonna throw bodies at it though before just, we put someone there yeah. i don't want it to be true but they're You're gonna vote bennett right. and they're like no like well we've got Magnus Payarvi. oh no it is gonna be dimitri asking i do think to be, to comment on you asking real quick i heard armstrong kind of single him out recently as a player that like needs to make or break this year on he's need to do that for like three he's years gonna break. let's be uh. honest he's gonna break i just i don't know i don't say race there was a <laughs> small race there was a time where yaskin was like our top prospect and i just don't think he's gonna become anything i won't i won't mention league. stupid comparables yeah like uh, Marion Hosef, perhaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ken Hitchcock like, said that. Was like that some, wasn't like some random analyst. Some great coaches. Um, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, I'd love to see Yaskin succeed, and yeah. he was. I think he was probably the the most likely guy, other than Perron, to be picked by uh, Vegas because he still has that potential upside. But mm-hmm. I will see. I think the thing with some of these spots is we also kind of forget that there's a Sanford. And even a Barbashev. Sanford. That, that could. God, that could there's be, so much. Oh, there's so there's, much like third line there's so many, bodies. There's so many team. bodies. Clem Costin uh, and Jordan Cairo and the type have to swim through to get there. This is why I wanted us to make a trade. <laughs> we two or three of these guys for like a top winger or top center. I don't know if we'll get that much, but uh, we might make one. If someone, I think if someone presses enough, Doug Armstrong's not. An idiot to be like, you know what, Clem, you played amazing. Bye. Yeah. I think he brings him up and then he goes, either makes the move or he goes, I'm sorry, but you're sitting, Samford, too bad. Yeah. Not that that's who I necessarily want to sit. Samford, we had to have in the Shattenberg <laughs> deal. I, Not I, enough to make a spot for him. <laughs> I do think Samford probably gets the first look at Bergwin's spot, maybe, but mm. we'll see. It's going to yeah. be a weird. We'll talk about more of that as the time gets closer. A couple more prospects to talk on. Uh, Nico Mikola. Mikola. Who I do not know much of anything about. But it was a fifth-round pick in 2015. Uh, why don't you talk about him a little bit? He stood out to some people, I think, just because of tenacity. Like you said, there's a lot of young guys that are going to be a little hesitant to be playing physical in camp, especially because I think they want to show off skill. Mm-hmm. But they said 
uh, Mikola, who I'm going to have to keep saying Mikola. Mikola. <laughs> yeah, this is so some of these names. But uh, then you just you seemed really calm on the blue line for being a young guy, uh, always in the right spot, a good amount of speed for someone who's 6'4". I saw some Jay Bomeister comparisons, which would be kind of cool. I don't think he looks anything like him, which That's is too bad. <laughs> but, just wide-eyed and yeah. shocked all the time. But I heard someone say more of like an Edmondson play style with like a Bowmeister sort of speed was a rough Ooh. was a rough comparison. That gazelle sprint down the ice. Yeah, I still remember. I, I mean, he's lost a step now. I think due to his age, he's still Although pretty fast. Bowmeister's younger than I think of him as. I th- I think he's still pretty fast, but the first like when we first got him, mm. I still remember thinking people can skate that fast. He's like a defenseman especially, but that was when the Blues had no speed anywhere on the ice. It's know? one of those things that if you focus on him while yeah. he's skating, you're like, that's pretty, that's some smooth skating. And then you kind of focus on the picture around him, and you go, he was behind the goal before, but now he's behind their goal. <laughs> and like, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, Mikola, fifth-round pick again, as we said before. He could be nef- could nothing. Could be anything. Ever. I just know that he kind of stood out to people. That's so That's awesome. We'll see. Uh, then the, I think the, I this is the that, one. I almost said the Tim Taylor of our, of our. Tim the Toolman Taylor. Because <laughs> I was reading your notes on it, but I think this is the the guy who maybe has this the the highest ceiling, especially this year. Uh, is the most concrete one at least? For yeah, sure. or maybe the highest floor is even better. Is as Jake Wallman, who is a 2014 third round pick, and is. A defender, which Mikola is also, if that wasn't clear. Oh, yeah. I don't think we ever said it. Uh, but I think Wallman stood out huge in camp and has just been kind of steadily climbing. Yeah, they said he has looked pretty much like a man among boys, just mm-hmm. seemed real composed, looked like he was leading the whole camp himself. And he's, I think he's more of a two way defenseman. I was going to say offensive defenseman. I think they kind of like him at both ends of the ice. He plays left side. Um, I'd say he's the clear-cut favorite to make the team out of any of these for sure, mm-hmm. and maybe even some of the AHL players. I don't know if he jumps over um, Vince Dunn or not. I think they're while they both play the left side and they're both ready for the NHL, I believe, I think they kind of bring a little bit of different things. I think Vince Dunn is a lot more of your pure offensive defenseman type, whereas Wallman, like we said, was a little more two-way. So I think he slots in better. You're more willing to give that guy a shot than go, hey... 19-year-old, or I guess Dunn's probably like 21. You're like, hey, score a lot of goals. You're probably not going to be a problem for us on the defensive side of things. So Yeah. I'm I'm excited for Wolman. I'm just I'm just looking at all these names, and plus we have we're not even touching on these guys. We'll probably have to do this another episode. But we yeah. have several really good goalie prospects right now, mm. including oh yeah, well, I didn't even mention mostly Huso. surpassed by Jordan Bennington, who, yeah. who was surpassed by most of these guys, but who's like basically probably been NHL ready for a year or two now to just like be a backup or whatever. It's just I look at this and it's it's kind of frustrating because I'm like, not that you want to make a move for a move's sake necessarily, and mm. you you really don't. But I just like we have two basically NHL ready left handed defensemen, and we already have several. Like we have a full six defensive core. Yep. And then we have all these guys fighting for way less than that number of 
third line spots. And I'm just like, I look at it and I'm like, what could theoretically a Vince Dunn, Tage Thompson first round pick get you on the trade market? You know, like, mm. and it's just kind of frustrating because I we do. We have assets to get something. I do feel like we're, I, and I've said this before, I feel like we're a top six away from greatness. I feel like we've got a really good top five plus Alex Dean, <laughs> which is not a shot at Alex Dean. He's just aging and was never like a, a huge impact player mm. offensively, you know. And I just like if we could get a great center for a package of these guys and just be that much set up, more set up to keep or let Stastny walk if we have to move Shinder right wing. Anyway, I don't want to get bogged down <laughs> in that. And you don't, I really don't want to see Armstrong just go out there and throw pieces away for whatever, but I'm just really curious. We do kind of have a little bit of a log jam. And he may be, you know, he could be waiting for camp. He could be waiting to see who steps up and who doesn't. Most likely. And it'll be interesting to see because we made the trade for Yakupov, which granted wasn't high impact, but we made that like right before the season last year. So you could always do something like that yeah. late in the year. It might not. be in his mind to kind of look around yeah. that time and see if teams are thinking about anything else. But the problem with all this, the biggest <laughs> problem with all this, is that when we decide whoever's on the NHL team and whoever isn't, we don't have a place to send the people that are not on the NHL team, which is the topic of our five-minute major today, uh, which we went well over five minutes last time. So maybe we'll try a little harder to stick on the uh, agenda this time, although we haven't started the clock yet. But yeah, we want to talk about the, the Blues... Um, AHL situation. If you weren't with us last time, the five-minute major is a segment where we just kind of rant about something that angers us for five <laughs> minutes. And Ian's so going to be things. running point on this one. But just the quick, the quick rundown of the situation is that because the NHL added a team, but the AHL did not, for some reason the Vegas Knights got to swoop in and form a partnership with the Chicago Wolves, who were the Blues AHL franchise, and now the Blues do not have a designated AHL affiliate for yeah. this upcoming season. So from there, Ian, why don't you take the reins? We're going to time this just to get it going. Okay. All right. So like Steve mentioned, Blues are sharing the Chicago Wolves. Steve. Steve, <laughs> Steven. Small race. They're sharing the Chicago Wolves of the AHL with the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Vegas uh, Vegas will be the Wolves' primary affiliate, which means they get control. Oh, yes, they will. Oh, they get control of the team. They get coaches. to decide who plays. Oh, who, yeah, they've already Playing hired coaches. Time. Yeah, this is half of the reason why we got... Craig Berube. Yeah, half the coaches yeah. on that team anyways for us. So that's kind of nice, but whatever. So yeah, the Craig Berube who did a phenomenal oh, job. Oh no, I'm glad to, I'm glad to have him and Daryl Sador, yeah. but a silver lining to this yeah. crap cloud. <laughs> Good the, save there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> crap, crap, crap. The but the HL is not expanding 31 teams. They will be next year, so that's kind of nice. I think the thought is yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> I think the thought is that Colorado is going to drop their team and pick a team that's closer that's going to be promoted. But anyways, their teams in San Antonio, right? Mm. Now we never con- super close to St. Louis. <laughs> we never controlled the Wolves because the Wolves weren't owned by the Blues. Yeah. The Rivermen were owned by the Blues, but I think we got rid of them when we got a new owner because it was just a cost-cutting savings thing. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. 
So the, we never really controlled who the Wolves played to begin with, but they were going to play prospects for us because that's what they needed. They didn't really have all these other contracts. I don't even know if they were required to. But now they have nothing but Vegas prospects. In fact, more than what we're going to put on the Wolves. And they're allowed, like we said, to play them however they want, whenever they want. So the Blues are going to have to put players on other AHL teams, random other AHL teams. I don't even know how many. You could. I don't know if there's a limit. You could just put them one on each team. That's fine at best, but don't you want them playing together? You also don't have control. <laughs> you have one player on this AHL team. You're not going to go, you have. You might be able to say you're going to have to play Billy Huso because you got two goalies and that's it. But you're not going to say, hey, play Tage Thompson like on your second line. They're, like, for- they're going to say, I forgot who that was and who are you on the phone? <laughs> like, I, we don't have to do any of this. Uh. And what I don't get is how this wasn't Scene. So there's a team that's going to be put in the league. I think the AHL is technically separate, but there's a team in the NHL that's going to be put in the league, an extra team, and at no point we're like, we need to get this expansion moving in the same year. And also that Doug Armstrong, I guess because it's the Wolves aren't owned, but Doug Armstrong was like, fine? Yeah. You can be, the Wolves can be yours too? Wouldn't you be like, no? And maybe you did, but it feel, it felt like not a fight at all. Well, the initial thing I heard him say was, oh, we were comfortable with this happening because I have such Which is a, so gross. Oh, yeah. With Dave McPhee or George, George McPhee. George McPhee. That's not okay! I know. That doesn't matter! I just, oh, I don't want to cut into your No, it's here. like, I have a, I have a great relationship with this, yeah, he probably has a great relationship with a lot of GMs or whatever, but it, I just don't get it. This is especially for what we said, we have a log jam of prospects. These are guys that are kind of on the precipice of making this team, so maybe his thought process is, well, one year doesn't matter because they're just going to be on this team anyways, but that's... That can't be it. That can't be it. I haven't thought about this this in depth in a while, and now it's like making my head spin in so many different ways. It's just... From a logistical standpoint, when you call someone up now, like, they're in a whole different... Like, they're not all on your team. You go, oh, that's right. Chicago is in Tucson this weekend. That's right. That's where you pull them from. You go, where is Tage Thompson again? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, no. He's like mid-flight and something. No, he's not coming over. So maybe... <laughs> so. Maybe you screwed some dude out of a chance to, like, play for you more as a call-up? So, I don't know. More so, uh, uh, there, I don't even Do know. Do we have other prospects? I don't even know what angle I want to attack this from. Do we have, we got rid of, like, Kenny Agostino and stuff like that. They got signed yeah, I somewhere guess, else. I, don't, I doubt we have any of those guys. So do we only, do we only have, like, NHL? We have the guys we've drafted. We only have those draft yeah, prospects. We, we don't have those weird have fill-ins. Bodies, the, the Wade Megans and whatever. Uh. Yeah, uh, there's no. Uh, I don't even know what angle I want to yell at about this. First. I want, the, the thing I want to this start is poor with, planning. The thing I want to start with is the the George McPhee. I've got such a great relationship. If you were running a business, let's say you were running Beerberg, <laughs> which is a local grocery a fine store in business. St. Louis. 
which I worked for for a long time. If you're Greg Deerberg, you're the president of, of Deerberg, you're not going to let Kroger's, which is not in this market <laughs> at all so far, you're not going to let them come into the area. Because you have a great relationship. Undercut all, your, undercut all your costs because you're friends with Tom or whoever <laughs> Kroger. That's not a thing you can do in business. And it shouldn't be a thing you can do in hockey. The real problem with this isn't that like most of our players will play, find playing time somewhere. Yeah. But the problem is we're not going to control their playing time and more importantly they're not going to be doing it together. I think because it's together some of thing these guys will be with will be with the Vegas guys just kind of interspersed in the Chicago, but then like Clem Costin could be playing with the you know with the Adirondack Phantoms, Phantoms playing with Philadelphia Flyers prospects, and uh, you know Tage Thompson could be with the Lake Erie Monsters playing with whoever <laughs> their affiliate is. I guess probably Detroit or whoever, yeah. Columbus, and then you know Billy Huso is going to be in San Antonio, which everyone knows, but Doug Armstrong won't tell us because he's got to be. <laughs> Got to nail down all the details in time. Cards close to the chest. Uh, Keep those stupid cards close to the chest. It's just, (laughs) there's no, you know, we talked about a lot last year because um, who was playing down together? Payarvi and um, Barbashev. Barbashev and the other guy. <laughs> uh, Yaskin, was it? Some three guys yeah. were playing together on a line in Chicago. And they gelled well. And they gelled really well. And then we called them up and we played them together and they did pretty well That's for why us. You get a future picture and That's now you don't. That's just not going to happen this year. You get and all these little minute pictures of each little player and you know, I hope, oh, we played well with that center. Oh, we pulled them out. Yeah. Crap. Yeah, you're not gonna like it. You're not gonna see how oh, your Latera is great with Vladimir Tarasenko, but sucks with everyone else. That's not an option <laughs> for you, you know. And it's really? just like uh it's just it's making a mountain out of a molehill in one sense because in a year it's gonna be problem solved. But I'm so mad. I'm mad at Doug Armstrong for letting McPhee do this. I'm so mad at the NHL and the AHL for knowing for well over a year that they were gonna form an NHL franchise. <laughs> But not considering that they had to form an AHL franchise at the same time, which has to be a much smaller endeavor. Oh, the probably thing, they're just pulling up a USHL. The thing team. they're doing—that's what they're doing. They're taking the Colorado Eagles and they're just going, "Oh, you're an AHL team," and then the thought process will get the San Antonio Rampage or whatever, which exists. Yeah. So you just—it doesn't feel that big of a deal at all. Yeah. But why couldn't they do that now? That's what I mean. It's the same as, like, the Reebok jerseys. It's like, that's too complex. And on the outside, I'm like, but why? But how? That's your that's your business. It's, uh, it's just so frustrating. And, like, on the one hand, it's mountains out of molehills. But on the other hand, it's not small rice. It's not this is big rice. Big rice. <laughs> and it's so frustrating because earlier I said, oh, I think we have more prospects right now than anything, hmm. than any time recently that I remember that I'm excited about like names i know that i'm excited about and then at the same time we have like not like enough places to put them not just in the ahl we don't have any nhl spots for any of these guys other than like one or two maybe and we're gonna jam them all at third line holes it's just a total cluster (laughs) i don't Payarvi know and, how it happened. Payarvi and those guys run one-way contracts, right? Yeah. Because can at least yeah. in my mind, can you imagine if they're on a two-way? That's a guy that's relatively established. And you go, hey, 
you're going to go down and play for the whatever Ontario Monarch Storms, the Kings people. Like, but I'm I've played with you guys for yeah. Well, now you're on some other team. Like, we don't care. And you think about like the one example I think of right now that I'm just thinking of on the spot, Ivan Barbashev. Two years Ew. ago. So he could. This could happen to him. <laughs> this could. Oh. But think about think about two years ago. He was in the AHL and he was kind of trash. And people were talking about. I don't know if this guy's going to make it at the NHL level. I remember that a little, yeah. And then last year, Craig Berube got his hands on him, and he worked with him, and he he took off, and he came to the NHL level, and he made a big prop impact. Now, he's fringe. He could be on an AHL team now. God only knows what AHL team. But he could be, like, bouncing back and forth a little bit. But imagine if we have another prospect, and I don't know who it is and maybe we don't, but, like, if we have a guy, I think Ivan Barbashev will make a pretty big impact for this team at some point Mm. or will make an impact in a trade to another team. What if we have that guy who this is his... Yeah, this is his year where we're brute. thinking about moving away from him. We can't tell somebody to force him. He doesn't get a shot. He's just not going to get. If this had happened, if this had know? happened that second year for Barbashev, like you were saying, if this if this year the year that he gelled with Barubi and those two line mates, if this had been this year where like he doesn't get a spot, then that might just be the yeah. End. Then then maybe Barbashev's gone or like he's just not that good. Yeah, yeah this could. This could blow up in a player's face. It might not, it's but the not, fact that there's an opportunity for that to happen is just mind-blowing. It's not going to derail the whole organization. It's just poor. But it didn't have to happen to us. It's just poor, it's poor planning, it, and, and you don't want to see that from your team. It's. I mean, it's frustrating, too, because it's like, of all the teams to not need an AHL team, why isn't Vegas the one that doesn't get one? They just started. All their players are pretty much AHL players anyway, but they have to fill their NHL roster with them. Mm-hmm. So why don't we have to take the Vegas AHL re- rejects, just let them be the Kenny D'Agostinos in Chicago, keep control for one more year, and then they can have the Wolves and we can have the Rampage. And the I hate how they Avs get can have primary the control. It's your first year. I get you want to get them on a right foot, but it's like, how about we step it in and you get to just, yeah, like you said, be the fill-ins, and we'll let this existent NHL team of fifty plus years have control for one more year. Uh, we're well past five minutes. Oh, it's and eleven I and a could half. Could go on for hours, but I won't. I will stop myself here. Uh, that was a double major. Yeah, it was a game misconduct, like the last one. It's just. Frustrating. So we will see how the boys develop this coming. It'll be year, interesting. We will see how Doug Armstrong manages this crap storm that he's created for himself. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, we are at the end of our podcast for the day. Uh, coming up probably two weeks from now. Although we did take three weeks <laughs> this last time. So I think we. I can confidently week. say two weeks. Okay. Uh, I was only saying maybe we record next week to make the gap oh. back, but we'll figure it out. Anyway, in a week or two, we will be talking about the Metropolitan Division and other things. I've got a few things in mind, but they're kind of yeah, they're kind of on the fringe there. Yeah. But Metro is the big one to talk about, 
as like I said, we're kind of in the doldrums. As we get a little closer, yeah. players start trickling in. Braden Shen was wearing a helmet and a training jersey. Oh, baby! Already, so there's your first little tidbit of yeah. anything. So we have uh, seventy, like seventy-two days until hockey, and this is the period where everybody in hockey is actually on vacation. Yeah. So our seven listeners can be thankful that. We're still working hard every other week to provide great hockey contact. Uh, But until next time when we talk about the Metropolitan Division and fill the hour plus with other great content, I hope, uh, we will talk to you all or talk to each other and let you all listen later. (laughs) See ya. Sayonara.